It is the Sports Core Podcast, episode two. And man, it wasn't the Leafs game last night. Uh, we have a lot to say about it here on an eventful Tuesday. So much going on, but really, it's going to be mostly that one topic today. I have two of the biggest uh, emotionally invested people, I'll say, with me today. Connor Carrington, Ben Brand, hosts of the Sports Core Podcast, are joining me for this episode. Ben, I'm going to start with you. After the Leafs lost last night, dropping Game 7 to the Montreal Canadiens, what what was your mindset? Were, were you mostly used to it, or was it another kind of big blow? Well, it's kind of funny because, you know, I, um, the last four, five years, however many years it's been, I've been really emotionally invested. The Leafs have have obviously disappointed us uh, time and time again. This year was different because it felt like they were going to pull it off. They got up 3-1 in the series, and then, you know, they lost in Game 5. Well, fine. You go to Game 6, you get that, it's over. You lose that, it's like, okay, here we go again. And it's funny because after Montreal scored the first goal in Game 7, I had this weird feeling of almost nothing like there was no emotion involved and i've never felt that in all my years of being a leaf fan i've never felt so emotionless one way or the other about an outcome and i didn't expect to feel that way but i guess just the two previous games kind of took all the emotion out of me and you just felt like as soon as the canadians scored the first goal that it was over, and lo and behold, the first goal was the winning goal. So it was kind of a strange feeling that I'd never really felt before. And then after the game was over, it was like, okay, well, this is nothing new. You know, they've done this time and time again, and it just was kind of that used-to-it feeling that you brought up. It was really funny, and I didn't expect to feel that way, but just there was no real emotional investment at all for whatever reason. And I'm not sure you're yeah, the only I... one. Sorry, Connor. I'm not sure you're the only one to feel that way because it, it felt like there was almost a sense of defeat after the first period. And man, it, it's been so long that Leafs fans have felt like that. But in another sense, it wasn't the defense. It wasn't the goalie. It was, uh, it was a little different this year, Connor. Yes. No, uh, like off of Ben's point, this is probably the most, even though, yeah, in a way, biggest choke job, no doubt about it, classic Leafs, it'll go down in infamy for sure. But it's got to be the most infuriating way to lose, especially given this year, they had the easiest path to do something. Just win around. That's all they had to do. And things would be somewhat... Uh, the critics would... would, would um, I guess that's my point, right? Like, if they had won that first like, round... Yeah, exactly. Is the criticism no, like, lower? Are people okay with that this year? Uh, well, right now... Um, there's, I I see no excuse 
and it all comes down to the players. And of course, you look at your two big players in uh, Marners and Matthews, and just not being able to quote unquote get it done. It should have fueled them. They they they're not young anymore. They've gone through this. This is their fifth time around. You think some they would learn from past experiences by now. Yes, losing your captain, it's not easy on anyone, for sure, but these guys are paid the big bucks for a reason. Well, they also lost the captain after winning, or before winning three games, right? So they can't really use that as an excuse. No, I was just going to say that, Pat. You can't use losing Tavares as big a loss as it is. We shouldn't minimize it, but you right. can't use it. Because they won a- three times without him. Right, they won three games without him, and they won three games pretty handily. Like, it wasn't as if yep. they were close. You know, the Leafs played well in games two to five. They played as if, or two to four, I should say. They played as they had for the entire season, and they looked like the team that won the North Division convincingly. And then from five to seven, um, they were brutal, none more so then in game seven when they needed their best effort yeah and all credit goes to it yeah you have to in the series and they got nothing and the other thing i'll say is you look back at some of the last few seasons you know when they made the playoffs the first time against washington um in 2017, I guess it was, they were playing with house money, a bunch of young kids who squeaked into the playoffs and had absolutely nothing to lose. It seems, you know, everybody would have thought that by this time, like you said, Connor, that they would be ready to take that next step. And instead, does it, it not It's feel the same thing. It's the same well, thing. Well, it's not even the same thing. It feels as if they've regressed, if anything else. Because over the last five years. Uh, because there's not year. as much kind of urgency and I want this, I guess. Yeah, is, well, yeah. Is that down to coaching? Mm, yeah, all credit to Montreal, though. Um, of course, coming back from a 3-1 deficit, I don't care who you are, that's pretty remarkable. But at the same time, yeah, coaching, uh, where were the adjustments after uh, game five? Um, you just... I, why don't you try switching I... up Martyrs, Martyrs and Matthews? It obviously wasn't working. And also, Tampa Bay does this, but why Why don't they just try to dump and chase for once? Playoffs is a different animal. And Montreal Canadiens pounced on the um, Leafs' inability to move the puck well, and they, they clogged up the neutral zone. They didn't let Martyrs Matthews get much space, if at all. I remember that's that's, yeah, that's that's on coaching on for me as well. A lot of things at yeah, Montreal at the end, they won because they made the adjustments. They saw uh Leafs effort uh five through seven coming out flat and they pounced on them. Three nothing to start the game in game five. At first game six, Montreal was all over them. Yep. In the first five minutes. And then game seven, Leafs were just flat because Montreal knew how to handle them. I remember at the end of 
the uh, radio broadcast, they were talking about, well, now this is kind of a core that has lost so often that that's going to be in their mentality. Like the way it's built right now, they're going in every year with kind of a little bit of defeat because they've seen it so many times. With the replacement of Mike Babcock to Sheldon Keefe, uh, Ben, I'll go to you for this one. Shouldn't that culture have changed a little bit? Shouldn't that have been a difference heading into this postseason? Yes, I do think so. However, I'm going to disagree with Connor to an extent, only in that, you know, look, you can, in terms of management, in terms of Kyle Dubas, he brings in um, TJ Brody, he brings in Wayne Simmons, he brings in Joe Thornton, he brings in Nick Felino at the deadline, um, and Sheldon Keefe um, did something when he first came in that Babcock refused to do, and that's play um, Matthews and Marner together on the same line, something that never happened under Babcock, or at least very infrequently happened. Look, if you're best players aren't your best players. I don't care who your GM is. I don't care if Pat Burns is your head coach or Lou Lamorello is your general man. I don't care. You know, Austin Matthews played well at points uh, in this series, uh, but he only scored once um, and only had four points, I believe, in the seven games. Mitch Marner only had three points I want to say Nylander was their best goal scorer and nothing not to take away anything from that effort but Nylander in a realistic sense when things are going well is their third best player at best yeah uh behind Marner and Matthews so I think what I'm saying is you can make all the adjustments you want you can bring in all the supplementary pieces you want to build around the core, but if your core is not the core of your hockey team when it matters, then you're not going to win. You know, you look at the Lightning, um, that's probably the best example followed by Colorado that you can come up with. Who have been Tampa's best players so far in the playoffs? Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, best players. their two best players. Yeah. Who have been Colorado's three best players? Gabriel Landis-Cog, Miko Rantanen, and Nathan McKinnon. They're three best players, right? Three best players for the Leafs were Nylander, Spezza, and, you know... Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell, right, exactly. Uh, and, again, no offense to Jack Campbell, but he in this circumstance should not have to be he should have, on that list. In a sense, he should have been, you know, their, uh, their wild card. <laughs> and instead credit to him, he was one of their best players, but, uh, he had his moments where he wasn't so good and they weren't able to focus on them because there were other eye opening moments they need to focus on instead. It was so interesting looking at some of the photos before game seven, William Nylander, best in the series in terms of non-goalie Leafs. He was on the ice first. I don't know. It's an interesting culture when it comes to uh, Matthews and Marner right now. Those two are going to be in the headlines for quite a while, Connor. What do you think, assuming they keep Sheldon Keefe around, because he hasn't been there for very long, right? What oh, do you yeah. think the next step for the Toronto Maple Leafs 
is in terms of change because there are going to be changes after another game seven loss yeah well uh thankfully uh, um there is 11 free agents on this team so that'll clear up some cap space i i i do not see uh jumbo joe, joe forden coming back next season um unfortunately he looked um not not in playoff shape anymore um yeah it's there's quite the predicament in that mitch marner um they dubis banked on him being that that guy cornerstone player um for for many seasons to come and this 10.8 million cap hit that he's um um that he signed just looks exponentially like it 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 hasn't worked and yeah you can say all you can about how he performs in the in the regular season which he was amazing him and Matthews uh top players but uh definitely yeah uh, this is all this is on the players Dubas did all he could he could going into this season he brought in that grit the veteran presence yeah of course it didn't help at Felino at the trade deadline you thought maybe he could make a difference uh and of course he he gets hurt he doesn't look like the same player it's just yeah, if I'm Kyle Dubas, I I I would not envy his position because this was on paper the best team uh, lineup that they could assemble for a deep playoff run, and yeah, well I I do see like players like Zach Hyman. You need him. He played phenomenally down the stretch and pretty much the whole season, and then. Bringing in uh, Jason Spezza again on a uh, veteran minimum, 700000 I think that, that would work wonderfully. Uh, he's, he's sort of earned that. Uh, other than that, yeah, I... Yeah, it's just very tough. It's a very tough situation because, yeah, the expectations were this team was at least going to go deep and um, they wouldn't have to go through this... Uh, critical moment and this early in the season season should not have been over but uh ben. yeah it, it's just gonna be interesting yeah also like do they hold on to a uh, guy uh, morgan riley he has one more year left i honestly don't think any anyone's better out there uh than a morgan riley when he's on his game and he showed flashes again that he can still be a reliable number one. I I think a guy, someone to comp, and of course, yeah, TJ Brody was amazing. So, yeah, uh, it's just, it's just gonna be interesting. Of course, yeah. So Ben Connor's talking about the way Kyle Dubas will have to move forward from this, but there's kind of two sides to that. What on one side, he's gonna have to realize that you know something has to change with this roster but on the other side he's going to face a lot of 
scrutiny and criticism on whether his more analytical style is the way to go for hockey. He's a new, a new school guy. And the way the Leafs have moved on throughout these last couple of years uh, hasn't made everybody happy. What are your thoughts to the idea that Dubas's philosophies aren't necessarily the future of hockey like some people may be arguing on the other side? Yeah, uh, look, I think um, since Dubas has taken over, he obviously, you know, he was pretty stubborn in the beginning in terms of his roster construction. Uh, they felt like they wanted to go with speed and skill. That clearly didn't work. So then he addresses it in the off season last summer, last fall, I guess it was, um, because of the late start to the year because of COVID. Um, you know, he addresses it by bringing in the guys we talked about before. Okay, so you've got the sort of um, mix of the speed and skill in the top of your lineup, and then in the bottom of the lineup you have your checking line and your your veterans your veteran presences and your is um is enhanced sorry uh, we missed additions. that uh what what's enhanced there your defense core with brody uh being brought in and also zach bogosian who look uh under the radar signing but he was very solid for the leafs uh i thought um he was a nice stable veteran presence on the third pairing they didn't expect a lot out of him they didn't need a lot out of him and he provided them with what they asked for so he's in terms of dubas back to your original question he's clearly not anymore at least so stuck in his ways that he says this is what we're doing and we're gonna live or die by it and i wrote about it i think it was on your site pat about how Dubas kind of overcame that. I wrote about it before the season with the guys they brought in, and I I hypothesized incorrectly at this point uh, that the Leafs would win around because of that. And I, I genuinely thought that. Um, I think that was a reasonable around. expectation, to be honest. I think so. I, I Absolutely. And so I think Dubas is the right man for the job. I don't think he's on any thin ice here because, again, he did everything that he needed to do in order to diagnose the roster and make the changes that were need to be made. You can argue about personnel, whether they were necessarily the right guys, but he had the right idea, and now his biggest kind of conundrum that he is facing is okay are we the team that looked pretty awful uh for most of the last three games uh are or are they the team that was terrific uh in games two three and four now again it was minus uh contribution from their core uh it was largely depth that got them there but that's a good sign as well if your core is struggling but they can't consistently struggle so he like connor said is in a really difficult position in terms of 
kind of dissect his roster and how he wants to construct it. I don't think for the Leafs there are any untouchables beyond Austin Matthews uh, at this point. However, I wouldn't necessarily advocate for any of the core pieces to be traded either. Um, so again, it's a really difficult spot for Dubas to be in, and I'm really curious to see what kind of punches he pulls in the summer and what kind of roster the Leafs have in front of them on opening night next season. Connor, uh, instead of looking forward for a minute, I just want to look back. The defense was the headline, right? When they lost every, basically every time in the playoffs over the last few years, it wasn't really the headline this year. I think a lot of people realized that they finally focused on it a little bit more, changed some things up. Uh, maybe the change in coaching had an impact on that as well. What were your, what are your reflections on the defense heading into the future? Because that's been one of the big concerns over the last few years. Uh, yeah, as of right now, the outlook for the Leafs on defense, it should be they should be pretty confident in what they have. From years past, you see T.J. Brody oh, could could be arguably the MVP of this year for the Leafs. Uh, what a what a signing that was! Come to fruition, uh, just game in and game out, he seemed solid. Uh, uh, every shift, pretty much, he was he was he was on his game. Rarely a mistake. And then, yeah, like Ben was saying, a guy like Bogosian, uh, tough, uh, stay at home, guys you need uh, when when games get the physicality uh, aspect. So that's what they were lacking in prior seasons, I believe, and Bogosian really showed that too. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, Morgan Riley. As he, like I said earlier, he has one more year left on his contract to I, I think this point uh, the way he's played there there's a chance you could get him at a discount but he's shown throughout his Leafs career that he is a big point producer and a big big producer on this team productive uh both in the locker room and on the ice. Sure, he's not the most reliable defensively, but uh, he he can uh, take over games when when given when he needs to. Um, but yeah, the, I, it'll be interesting because uh, they do have promising young players and Sandine, who's shown this year that he can come in and. With the experience of him playing in the playoffs, it only helps, as well as uh, Timothy Lilligren. Uh, pieces are there on defense, finally. There's no real, like, glaring, um, glaring problem on the blue line that's haunted the Leafs in years past. Like, it, it has in at the end of the day, it pretty much wasn't the, their goals differential this year was outstanding. The reason why they were tops in their division was they didn't give up a lot of goals. Yeah, of course, 
Jack Campbell steady as he was, but he did get a lot of help from his defense. So I wouldn't be too concerned on the blue line. I think uh, you you have to be very confident. It's now figuring out what pieces can now get you to that next level. Um, what will have the best pairing uh, forward-wise? And that's, yeah, the conundrum. So, Ben, we've talked, right now. we've talked about the offense and how there are a lot of uh, different factors there. We've talked about defense and how they look a little bit better. Jack Campbell looking really solid for the Leafs this season, I would have said. Uh, Freddie Anderson, obviously, with the injury issues, but he was a little bit more hit and miss this year. Where do you think they're going to go in terms of the next step with the goalies? Yeah, I was just going to bring that up uh, if you hadn't asked it, Pat. And I think that Jack Campbell uh, has clearly earned this net for the Leafs. I think um, Frederick Anderson, uh, like you said, pretty hit and miss this season. A lot more miss, frankly, uh, than hit. Now, I don't know how much of the miss, quote-unquote, was injury-related because I tend to believe that he was playing hurt before he actually went out of the lineup hurt, um, and that contributed to his poor play. Um, However, he has never been a guy who has... Like, Jack Campbell inspired a sort of confidence in me between the pipes for the Leafs that I didn't know he could. He's been... He was terrific. Yeah, he let in the softy last night. But he... You know, every goaltender is going to let in soft goals. Every yeah, if, you're, if your biggest problem is one bad goal every once in a while, and then right. essentially yeah. it, it could have been one goal last night if they had all... Uh, all played in a bit of a better way. Yeah. If that's your biggest problem, then you're okay, right? Yeah, totally. There there are definitely worse things uh, than letting in the odd softy. I mean, Freddie Anderson has been pretty notorious for doing it, you know, in his last stretch of games, you know, at least won a game or two. Uh, we're getting in behind him when... They should not have been getting in behind him. But I don't think that Freddie Anderson has necessarily lost it in terms of being a starting goaltender. I think that he is somebody who the Leafs can get out from underneath, um, trade him somewhere where a team is looking for a stable option in net. And I think despite his poor season that if a team is desperate enough for a starting goaltender, you can still get somebody decent back in return. So I think that's a decision that the Leafs need to make. You know, they've got Joseph Wall coming up through the pipeline in goal for the Leafs. Um, so How confident this... are you in that? Well, as a backup option, I mean, we haven't seen much of them. But as a backup, I mean, you've clearly, you, they've invested a few 
years in him, so clearly they see something and some path to the National Hockey League at some point. Otherwise, I think uh, they would have probably traded him by now. Got so out. I think it's a backup option. Um, you know, you might as well give it a try because I don't think Freddie Anderson is a backup goaltender, but I don't think he's a starting goaltender on the Toronto Maple Leafs now with how Campbell played. And I am not one who punishes guys for getting hurt. Um, but this is a situation where Anderson not only got hurt, but he wasn't playing well prior to it. So it wasn't as if Freddie was, you know, lights out, then gets hurt and Campbell comes in and is lights out and they're deciding to choose Campbell over Frederick Anderson. Jack Campbell was the best goaltender to play a game for the Leafs this year, flat out. And I think he's earned the chance to be the starting goalie for this team going forward. So I think that's going to be one of the top priorities for the Leafs is deciding whether they want Frederick Anderson as their backup or whether they want to address a need elsewhere by shipping him out. Okay, Uh, I'm going to ask you both this question. First, Connor, and then Ben. If there's one key member of the Toronto Maple Leafs that is not returning next year who will be on a different roster, Connor Carrington, who is that Toronto Maple Leaf who will no longer be a Toronto Maple Leaf? Ooh, um, that is a, a good question. Uh, Thanks, I specialize in that. That's why me, we have well, you hosting. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, other than um, Frederick Anderson, Ben already touched on that. I don't think because um, Freddie want. I, is good enough to be still a starter in this league uh, and he'll want the, the term and money. And I don't think the Leafs are going down that path. They're, I think they're very com- comfortable with Campbell being their number one. Um, for me, uh, um, I, I don't want to say one of the core players are gone. I don't think that's the right decision in uh, giving up um, Willie Marner. That contract, unfortunately, it doesn't look good. It's hard. It's going to be hard to move. Good luck trading Marner at his lowest value right now. Yeah. Um, And let's face it, they still can play. Uh, I think they're still strong. But um, for me, I look at a guy probably will be exposed probably in the uh, expansion draft and that's an Alexander Kerfoot who to his credit played well in this playoffs one of the better players in this in the series uh, had six points but that's a that's a movable piece there and uh uh so all right so connor says kerfoot i'm saying yeah kerfoot is probably we're not he's not resigning i i see him as being exposed exposable to the expansion draft with seattle uh he very uh very replaceable type player uh in my opinion no uh nothing too flashy and uh yeah that's 
that's the player I see at Kerfoot that... as a third line center. So a third line center is something that I think the Leafs will have to address come the off season. All right, Ben. Yeah, you know what? No, um, you can't say Kerfoot. No, I'm not okay, going to say Kerfoot. Um, say. I've, I've done a few of these before. I know you need to change <laughs> your answer from the other person. Um, and I'll caveat it by saying that I'm not in any way advocating for this. Um, however, I think if there is going to be a move made, it's probably going to be Nylander, because although he has a lesser cap hit than Mitch Marner does, you talked about a Pat before, just a second ago, and it's value, right? Right, and Nylander, Mitch Marner, nobody's going to disagree with the fact that Mitch Marner is a ridiculously talented hockey player, but so, if you're looking to trade him, now's not the time to do so. Because everybody yeah. saw game six, game seven, game five, and they're going, kind of need to see the talent uh, up front before we invest in this guy. Just a little bit more recently than that. And yeah. now it's just unfortunate that Marner had to be a no-show because William Nylander is probably the biggest bargain in the NHL, and I don't think the Leafs want to move him. I, if I was Dubas, why would you? He's has a great cap hit. He he was probably their best player in the playoffs. Well, and, uh, yeah. What yeah. what I would say though is that I think people and I think all of us um, have been guilty of it uh, is not taking the big picture into things necessarily when it comes to deciding um who should be on the move and who should not because there are times where William Nylander has looked worth every penny and more of the contract that he currently has and there have been other times where he has looked like he is not even worth half of the contract in which he currently is signed yeah. to so I think you have to, in general, people, fans as a collective, uh, and we like to think that we're a little bit beyond the fandom and kind of try to look at things a little deeper, but at times we fall back into the fan trap, um, whether we intend to or not. I think, you know, you need to look at the body of work. William Nylander was the best player for the Leafs in the playoffs in 2017, and then he kind of was all right in 2018, disappeared in 2019 and 2020, and then was off the charts good this year, and who knows what would have happened had he not shown up and played as well as he did. Mitch Marner, on the other hand, has been a point-of-game player in the playoffs before this series. And then he was invisible. He got he scored three points, and he was invisible for most of the series and frustrated beyond belief. You could just see it. I mean, even when he would get oh, chances, they'd yeah. get blocked. You know, they wouldn't get through. They'd be stopped, whatever. Yeah. And you could just see the frustration seeping through. So yeah. I think 
you know, you can't just base roster construction off three games or off seven games or off one series. You have to look at the big picture. And that's why I don't think that we need somebody dealt from the core here because all of them have shown up in the postseason at different times. It's just, unfortunately, they haven't all been able to do it for whatever reason at the same time and propel the Leafs over the top. So I think these guys are talented enough that you wait it out and you take a look and you bet on them that eventually one of these days they're all going to show up at the same time and they're going to win a round and then they're going to win two and then eventually they're going to win a cup. Who knows? They could win the cup next year. Who knows? This is a darn good hockey team and we can't forget that. We can be critical of how they played because they were horrible in games five through seven, except for, you know, a couple of stretches. They dominated the overtime and then lose on the second shot in game six. Uh, they were pretty good from the middle of the second period on in game five. Horrible effort last night, you know. But it's a good team, man. I mean, they didn't win the division by accident. Was it weak? Yeah, it was. And I think a lot of people overestimated, myself included, how good the North Division was going to be. But they won it handily. And I think they would have been a contender for a division title in a lot of other divisions also. So it's not as if they're a bad team. And people need to understand that they're not a bad team. They played horribly, and there's a distinct difference there. And so that's why, you know, I'm rambling here, but that's why I wouldn't trade any of these core pieces and add to them and try and find a way to show up when it matters. And at the end of the day, Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe aren't out there playing. You know, at the end of the day, like we said before, you can have Wayne Gretzky on your team. If he's the only guy that shows up, your chances of winning are pretty good because he's Wayne Gretzky, but they diminish drastically than if Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and William Nylander all show up along with Wayne Gretzky. You so, heard it here first. Uh, Leafs should sign Wayne Gretzky. I'm just going to move it a little bit forward now. Uh, Come on, Wayne. Did you, yeah, I T- hope he's hearing. <laughs> TNT <laughs> might have an issue with that. But. Yeah. Uh, Canadians beat the Maple Leafs in Game 7, 3-1 the final score. Now every eye moves toward the expansion draft and the offseason. Uh, Connor, you mentioned that you think Kerfoot might be... Uh, someone yeah. that they might have to let go in that expansion draft. So I'm going to go right back to you, Ben. Uh, what do you expect from that? Um, you know, I, I think uh, that it's going to be very interesting to see what the Leafs do with the expansion draft in terms of guys who will be exposed. And, you know, um, Kerfoot is a guy who could be exposed and likely will be, I think, uh, on the blue line. We talked about the depth that's coming up through the system and has already arrived in the form of of Rasmus Sandin, but Travis Dermott is another guy who we might see. 
uh, one of him or Justin Hall might uh, might be on the list. I think Kerfoot is the best option in terms of um, being exposed. Now, uh, I believe, if I'm correct, they can expose two guys. So I think Kerfoot yeah. is an easy option because he's replaceable. Like Connor said, you know, you got Nick Robertson coming up through the system who uh, played in the postseason last year in the bubble and asserted himself fairly well, I would say. So, you know, uh, they can do some juggling there um, with that spot. Um, but on the blue line, you know, Dermot and Hall are guys to have been steady for the Leafs, but I don't think if you were to lose them, it would be overly traumatic or disruptive because, you know, you've got depth coming up through the system. So the Leafs, um, in terms of their guys are going to expose, I think for me it's going to be Kerfoot and Dermot who are both exposed uh, in the expansion draft. Justin Hall has been great uh, for the Leafs this season. He's a guy who didn't play at all other than one or two games a couple of years ago, and here he is, a top four defenseman on a playoff team, although one lost, but on a playoff team, and it clearly was not Justin Hall's doing that the Leafs did not win this series. Justin Hall has been great, and everything the Leafs would have hoped for and a lot more. So I think he has moved himself in a, into a position to be protect, pro, huh, protected Got there in the, the expansion draft. It, you know, might be a long road, but as long as you get there. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think Hall's the guy on the blue line. They protect and Dermot and Kerfoot will be the guys who get exposed in the expansion draft. And I think that, Seattle is a good spot for both of those guys uh, to go in and kind of maybe expand their roles a little bit, depending on who else the Kraken are able to pick up. And speaking of the Kraken, with how the Leafs have uh, shown a propensity to disappoint its fan base um, recently, I'm thinking about jumping on the seattle kraken bandwagon <laughs> i'm not yeah. i'm not sure you're the only one all right uh we've reached the 48 minute mark so i'm gonna ask for final thoughts connor ben's been talking for a long time so it's your turn any final thoughts about game seven's loss and what uh they're gonna do moving forward for me from a, a person living in toronto this has probably has to be the most devastating um, losses in franchise history. Um, you have, you had, it finally had that team that looked like they were, they were powerhouses. They dominated the regular season, um, dominated the Habs all season. They were 7 2 and 1 against them. And then just to come out flat, especially just all they needed was one win. They were up 3-1. Like everyone, even Habs fans said, oh, this this is over. 
and to have the Leafs do this is just the ultimate choke job. <laughs> the the ultimate in not great. To, uh, to put yeah, not great. <laughs> it's, it's just it's it no for me i just take away from this this is the most devastating and that's saying yeah 2013 that was bad but at least that team let's face it that team wasn't nearly as good as what this team was or should have been was supposed to be supposed to be and on top of that with the global pandemic yeah at least something to cheer to Spirits to lift people's spirits here in Ontario and Toronto. The Leafs were that team with the Raptors not in the playoffs. And they needed to have something and to cheer for in these difficult times. Yeah. And I guess uh, to flip that. It, it, uh... just hurt. it just hurts them. It's definitely uh, a hard pill to swallow. And to flip that, I guess there's a lot more uh, happy people in Montreal than perhaps we thought there may have been uh thanks connor ben any final thoughts before we head off yeah look i i think um this is definitely the most sort of devastating heart-wrenching whatever you want to say loss for the leafs in a long time i wouldn't go as far as to say the franchise because there has been a lot of success that this franchise has enjoyed. It just a lot of it hasn't necessarily been recent success. Um, but you're right, Connor, in that 2013 sucked. You know, they had a 4-1 lead in yeah. game set. It sucked, but I was watching highlights of it for whatever reason the other day. I can't, I might have been before this series started. I don't know. I was bored, I suppose. So I pulled it up. And Ryan O'Byrne was on the Leafs 2013 playoff roster yeah, and in a hockey game. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so that's kind of how far they've come. Yeah. However, they haven't come any farther in terms of success. So I think, you know, this one stings more because you finally thought, okay, they've got the pieces in place. They addressed their deficiencies. Let's go do it now. And the Stars didn't show up when they need to show up. Um, aside from Willie Nylander, and because of that, they are not playing in the second round, and Montreal is going to Winnipeg on Wednesday. So, you know, I think this is going to be one of the most interesting, I think we say it every year around here, but this is going to be one of the most interesting off-seasons for the Leafs in about two decades. All right, and I will, and I will add... Never, ever again, until the Leafs win, no one should put any expectation on this team ever, ever again. <laughs> they, they lost that right. Not, not, not a ton of confidence it, left. They, they, this sealed it, for, in, in my opinion. All right. Uh, great stuff, Ben Brown, Connor Carrington. Uh, if you have the feed up, in your podcast app you can check them out on twitter they are the two normal hosts of the sports core podcast i'm patrick melbourne thrilled to have been your host today uh super curious on where the lease will go in the future uh subscribe for twice weekly episodes and we'll be back very shortly with more on the sporting world